Welcome back to the Indotechno Podcast, Season 3, Episode 17. I'm Alan Hallowell, Venture Partner at Leading Early Stage Indonesian VC, AC Ventures, and Founder of Startup Consultancy Gizmo Advisors. As I've mentioned many times before, I expect one of Indonesia's many contributions to the global tech scene to be the creation of solutions that enable the unbanked to be more robust participants in the economy. Anyone following the progression of MAPAN, also known as Pete Ruma, is aware of its persistent social impact, a platform that has sought to lift millions of poor Indonesian families out of poverty. We're very pleased today to have MAPAN CEO Ardelia Apti join us to discuss the company's mission and impact on lower-tier communities in Indonesia. Thanks a lot for joining us on the Indotechno podcast, Ardelia. Thanks for having me, Alan. You're very welcome. Now, Ardelia, I see a fascinating progression in your career, which involved, among other things, five years at Gojek and GoPay. Is there a common thread that began maybe with McKinsey and ended up with Mapan? Yeah, at the start of my career, like startup wasn't there, right, as a scene. So I think I never really saw me coming into the industry, but it really did start with my kind of excitement to solve different problems, which was why I took the job at McKinsey as my first job. And I think here I am as a generalist and now in Mapan, still with that common thread, just love solving different problems and creating different impacts. Fantastic. Now, Pete Ruma was founded way back in 2009. Can you give listeners an abbreviated history of the company, including any changes in ownership and evolution of the business model? Pete Ruma was founded in 2009. The mission is still the same to provide the solutions for the unbanked to be more productive. It started with the model of making moms and pops or warungs as a point of payment for bills and mobile credit at the start. But then it evolved to become Arisan in 2015. It was acquired by the Gojek Group in 2018. But then last year, we decided to spin off because we think this is a huge market. It requires a really big focus of the company and it might be best for us to raise individually. So we spun off last year, but GoTo is still one of our biggest investors. Fantastic. So that relationship has been preserved. Now, I want to make sure that we do justice to one of the most important goals of this podcast, which is first to describe the concept of the Arisan in Indonesia. Ardelia, can you explain it to those in the audience who are not familiar with this phenomenon? So Arisan is actually a very common social dynamic in Indonesia. It's basically a rotating savings model. So typically in the social scene, this was used as a method of both saving as well as meeting people socially. So typically what happens, a group of people meet every month and at that meeting, they basically put in money, each and every one of them, and they do a raffle and someone would win that money at that month. And then at the next month, they do another raffle, they do the same payment and someone else will win. It's like a rotated way of someone winning the pot of the money, but everyone would win eventually. It's not a gambling proposition. So at Ruma, we repurpose this to increase the purchasing power of the low-income communities by changing the scheme from putting in money to putting in money to save for an item. For example, a refrigerator or like a furniture. 
So the moms meet every month, put in the installed amount, and someone will win through a raffle that is organized by our application. So in this manner, we repurpose a way that is already common in the low-income community, but repurpose it as a means to save for aspired household items for them and increase their purchasing power while making it also fun. And the social capital makes it better because they are more disciplined because it's their peers. That's a great explanation. I'm going to reveal my ignorance here, but do we see similar arrangements in other cultures, either within the region or elsewhere? Yeah. So it's so interesting because I met with founders that even come from Egypt, founders that also come from Thailand, and they mentioned that there is a certain similar way, maybe not in the same scheme, but in the rotated saving with the communities, etc. Apparently, it's an observed behavior in different regions as well, especially Southeast Asia and Middle East. Don't you? So there's quite a bit of precedent here. Now, on another topic, in our focus on the bottom of the pyramid, a lack of financial literacy must be a major reality for us. Indonesia's national financial literacy rate is in fact just 38%. Where do we begin to tackle this fundamental problem? With the Arisan model that we introduce, we really zoom in on that. And so we know that this is basically a means of saving. This is basically a means of installing. But by taking a social dynamics that is considered well-known in the low-income community and also kind of like easy to do and without asking them to change their behavior in a major way, because this is something that they already know and they are already doing, it's a way for us to introduce the way to save, introduce the way to install something, which hopefully can introduce the financial products in a light way, in an easy way through a mechanism that they already know. So that was really important for the early founders of MAPAN to take that existing behavior. So we don't need to subsidize to shift behavior majorly in this low income communities, which I think we tend to have to do right in other manners to increase their financial literacy. So we position it as something that is not entirely alien, that is effectively an extension of some traditional practices, which makes a lot of sense. I wanted to ask you, this part of the population has had to work with high interest rate informal lenders, where usury, or in other words, forcing borrowers to accept impossibly high interest rates and other abuse can create a really low trust environment. How do we address this lack of trust with our offering? This is a very important part that we look at as a company, and this is why we have our community approach where we identify who are the influencers or like the leaders in the low income community groups. And we take them as our quote unquote agents, or we call them our moms, which is short for Mitra Usahamapan. And so by having this one too many approach that is also taking a community approach, we take the leaders of the community as our ambassadors we create trust with them, and then they become our ambassadors to create trust when they're creating the groups of Arisan. That's the approach that we take, and that's why we knew that a community approach is super important for tapping into this particular segment in Indonesian market. Again, makes eminent sense and very conveniently sits on, I think, a social network that is probably not one that one can afford to disappoint or yeah. defraud or whatever. I wanted to ask you, can you quantify or measure for us the most material benefits that MAPAN has brought to the Arisan practice? Yep. It's in two ways, I would say, the major streams of impact. The first one is increasing the income of our agents. 
So we have basically created a way for these agents to earn extra income for their households by becoming our quote-unquote ambassadors and resellers. So that's one stream for our agents. The second stream for our members is creating the purchasing power so that they can afford this type of products. So since the beginning, Mapan has worked with almost 250,000 of our agents and we have touched the lives of almost 3 million of our members, right? So that's where we sit in terms of our impact, creating extra income for our agents and increasing the purchasing power and financial literacy for our members. Fascinating. Thanks for that description. Let's talk a little more about where we sit. I wanted to understand where does the Mapan approach sit within the broader landscape of social commerce and agent-oriented solutions such as maybe Evermost and Super? I would say the differentiator of Mapan is in two ways. First, I think really the community approach that we take with the Arisan model, it creates a group model where it banks a lot on the social capital side of things. And so the relationship that we have with our agents and our members are like more community fueled and it's more, I would say like a more sentimental relationship. And so I think that has resulted in really great repeat rate as well as retention rate for Mapan. And it's something that is unique to us. I would say, so we meet with our moms all the time. We create meetings for them to meet each other and empower each other. So the message of community and community empowerment in our approach, I feel is something that differentiates us. And the second thing is also in the wide selection of the goods that we offer. We don't only focus on consumer goods. We really focus on a wide range of household items. We also offer mobile credits. We also offer bill payments. So this positioning of creating an income app for different types of moms who want to tap into different types of business and reselling business of either household items, consumer goods, or bills and pulls up as their choice. So I think those two are where we are unique in the market. That's very clear. Now, Ardelia, do we create or have access to any meaningful user data that allows us to improve our products? Maybe, for instance, improving credit scoring accuracy, or targeting our products better? Yeah, we realize the data part of it is a big gap for this particular low-income community target segment. And that's really something that we want to start bridging as well. So from the historical Arisan data, we are able to capture their spending behavior as well as what goods they like, etc. And we are taking these insights and creating our own scoring of our agents, soon our members, to be able to do a behavioral scoring that could also potentially be used as a credit scoring mechanism down the line. Right now with Arisan, we don't really take any credit risk because they pay first and then we deliver the goods later. But it's definitely in our minds to keep this data and potentially offer other financial products through our own or through partners because we know there are definitely still gaps in the financing needs for this particular target segment. Very clear. Now, Ardelia, how does our business model work? In other words, how do we make money from our offering? So we always see Mapan as solving the pain points of the customer side, which is the mass market through giving relevant payment solutions as well as a relevant catalog from a commerce side. But it also actually gives the businesses, our suppliers, our brands, a chance to tap into this target market through our channel, right, in a more cost-efficient way to have direct access to this consumer base, to have direct insights, a measurable way to give promotion and do marketing. 
And that's heavily where we monetize from the B2B side of things. We believe it is a very highly profitable model because we don't only unlock these problems. We understand that it's hard to monetize from the low-income communities. So by building this network approach and an efficient channel manner, we are able to monetize from the B2B side of things that want to really tap into this target segment. So that's how we monetize, Alan. Understood. Now, we did quite a bit of research in preparing for this episode. In some of our material, we talk about the Prudential Insurance Initiative. Can you tell us more about that? Yeah, it was a, a big inspiration to the early founders of Mapan to see that the insurance model was one of the first few models that really used the agent network. And so looking into that, we see that in Indonesia, especially this agent model works because a lot of people like trust, especially in the low income community, and they require a human proximity for them to trust a product that is considered tertiary, such as insurance. And also then we realized this is the same manner for financing as well as saving. The founders took inspiration from that as insurance is one of the very first few agent models for a financing product. And we repurposed the agent model to the community model that we have today to be able to offer the Arisan model. Now, looking at some of Mapan's more prominent offerings, we started with a rotating savings and loan group for household appliances. Can you tell us how that works? The Arisan model, what happens is a group of typically five to 10 people meet, and this is typically recruited by our agents or our Arisan leaders. And so this group of five people, they meet over a course of five months. And at the beginning of the month, they choose which item they want to buy. And this doesn't have to be the same for every of the members. So Alan, you could choose a refrigerator and I could choose a furniture. It doesn't really matter. But the amount that we pay every month just basically correlates to the actual price of the items that we book. And so at each month, they basically do payments of the amount according to the price of their goods divided by the periods of times that they are paying. And so our Arisan leader helps us collect this cash payment and they are the ones who submit it to Mapan. And then in the app, after the payment, we will do a raffle that will show who wins the item first at this particular period. So for example, I win first, I get my furniture first, but at the next month, I still have to pay my amount because I haven't finished my payment and everyone will also do so. And every month there will be a raffle to decide who wins next at the next month. Well, you've referenced early in our chat, the centrality to the Mapan model of the Mitra Mapan or mums as you call them, which you described earlier as an influencer that is trusted by our community. Mm -hmm. How do we build this network and how are we able to scale something like this at the local level? First, it really starts with a lot of research on identifying what are the characteristics of the moms, because we then really need to understand what does influencers look like for this low-income community and what are their typical characteristics for us to then begin to identify them and hire them, right? At the beginning of the model, Mapan relies a lot on the community teams that really does field visits and visits different types of moms and are able to identify the types of influencers that we are looking for. And so in 2015, we rely heavily on the offline approach. But then after really being able to codify like what are the personalities of these influencers and also how to engage with them, 
Now we only have 30 people, I think, in our community teams and we rely heavily on our online engagement. So it really does fall into being able to first identify really with a huge, very great investment in terms of understanding the field, but then codifying what are these different types of personalities and ways to reach these moms to now be able to do it mostly in an online manner. You've obviously been cultivating this for some time. Now, what is the actual interplay between the Arisan system and Muslim practices and traditions in Indonesia? Arisan itself is not only limited to the Muslim population, but it is sometimes done in a Muslim community. So, for example, you do Arisans with people that you meet at your masjid or you do Arisan with people in the pengajian groups, for example. So it's like more interplaying on the communities that you do Arisan with. But Arisan in and it itself, it doesn't limit it to only the Muslim communities. Because in Indonesia, there are a lot of Muslim communities being formed and people becoming eventually friends from these Muslim communities. That sometimes those are the people that you do Arisan with. Understood. Now, is our largest piece of business going to be as a standalone solution? Or will it be as a partner to other players? Or might we even be a white label solutions provider to these or other players? I, for instance, see we have a partnership with Blibli. Yeah. Mapan in the core of the infrastructure, as I mentioned to you, and the way we monetize as well, it will be heavily reliant on the partners that we have. We don't have any plan to start manufacturing our own goods, etc. So even the things that we aim to do white labels with are goods that are provided by our partners. And we do that also really well because we have an influencer community that are able to influence their community to buy things that are not even a well-known brand because of the trust level. So we do look at it as being a core of our model, the partnerships. And the partnerships can range by just channeling the products directly to the market and also doing the white label, which we have found really powerful for brands that really want to introduce a second tier label or a third tier label without diluting their market value in the overall scheme, right? And so that's why we've been partnering with some of our partners to do white labels. With Blibli, it's mostly a supply chain partnership. Blibli is one of our supply chain partners. Got you. Now, you've given us a few examples of the Matan platform at work. Can we focus on this a bit more? Can you tell us how that individual will be using our platform in maybe two years' time? Yeah. So right now, Mapan is mostly what I explained before, an income app from our agents. So our interaction is mostly with the agents. We don't have direct interaction with their members or their customers. Ideal use case is a mom basically come onto Mapan and look at the different ways that she can start earning more money by reselling household items through Arisan or by reselling direct consumer goods through just cash payments or offering payments for bills and pulsar. And our ideal use case is that a mom can be very productive while also taking care of their family because obviously they can do this at home. And that's why I think our sweet spot is really with women right now. Women that wants to make extra income but still needs to stay at home and take care of their family. And so we've provided that platform and that application for them to start earning extra income, right? That's the ideal use case right now. And then our moms will bring that impact to the communities by offering our products to them so they can purchase their products with higher purchasing power through the Arisan model. In a two-year scheme, I think what we really wanted to upgrade is 
what other products can we offer for our moms as a chance for them to earn even more income. So we're thinking about, can we create a way so that we can extend terms of payment for them so they can start their business without any capital at the beginning, for example, by using their credit history in our application before, etc. What we are also targeting is to communicate directly with our members and know our end customers better compared to today, which which is limited through our engagement only through our agents right now. So we really want to do connect to the end customers directly. This doesn't only become a platform for the agents who want to earn extra income, but also directly to buyers that really want to start buying things or purchasing things that are relevant for the low-income communities. This has been a super fascinating exploration of the Arisan system, Ardelia, and Matan's other planned innovations in the name of Indonesia's unbanked and underserved. I'm moreover really looking forward to following a lot of the additional services that you just discussed. Thanks for joining us today, Ardelia. Thank you so much, Alan, for having me. It's been great chat for sure. Likewise. We hope our listeners have enjoyed today's episode. As always, please consider sharing any feedback that you have about the Indo Techno podcast with us. Terima kasih. Sampai jumpa lagi.